Welcome to The Money GPS. You came here for the truth, so let me unveil that for you. I've got a lot to discuss here. Primarily, number one, I want to look at what's going on in the stock market. I'm going to show you the charts. I'll give you the details you need to know. The second thing is the Fed. What are they doing and what are they not doing enough of? The third thing is the hedge funds win again. We're going to talk about Citadel. We're going to look at Ken Griffin. I've got much more to discuss. Let's begin. Here you can see, I didn't have time to share with you yesterday, but I find it hysterical. The S&P 500 hasn't gained 2% on back-to-back -back days all that often, but it managed to do it on 315 and 316, that's March 15 and 16th, here in 2022. Okay. And it managed to do it on 315 and 316 in the year 2000. We live in a simulation. Isn't that interesting? Now we can see all kinds of parallels. We, we can, you know, force it essentially. But I just think it's interesting. That's all. I wanted to lead off the video with that, just to make you think in your mind for a second that a lot of this is not a natural occurrence. Okay, we have to understand that. There are a lot of elements in these markets that are not you and I buying into stocks. If you think that you and a bunch of people buying into a stock makes it move up or down organically, there's a lot more to it, much, much more. Take a look here. The yield curve inversions that are taking place are still continuing largely. What does this mean? A simple matter of fact, once we get into inversion, into the negative territory, that means a recession is ultimately happening, not on the way down, but on the way back up. So I will monitor this. I'm going to show you. But the bond market is signaling this heavily. I covered this in the previous video, and I will link to it at the end of this one. Chinese stocks retreat after biggest two-day rally since 1998. Hang Seng gauge of China shares drops as much as 3.5%. At the time of this recording, it is down approximately 2%. Okay, you can see right here, this is the Hang Seng index. And you can look at the fact that it has definitely come down, uh, come back up from the lows of the, the day. It might be hard to see if I could zoom in a little bit on that just to give you a little better, better look at that. What about that? Is that better? So you could see this like unbelievably bullish candle. And what happened? You saw all of those stocks that were being punished downward, you know, massively. Those stocks there performed extremely well, um, you know, just a few trading days ago. Some of the stocks were up 30%. Some of them were 40 and 50% in a single trading day. Then the next day, it performed very well again. Huge, okay? Now we're facing a red day at this time. Could be a little profit-taking, could be other concerns as well. But I just wanted to show you that. Of course, you could break it down into stocks. Chinese tech stocks specifically were the ones that really got boosted up. Part of that, by the way, I covered this in the previous video, but part of that was because the, uh, I believe is the vice premier, imagine one of the highest level people in China essentially saying, we're not going to push so hard 
on the crackdown in tech stocks in China. And of course, that was one of the factors that were pushing uh, these Chinese stocks down. So if they're saying that, and of course, investors could use that, they could believe it. And you see the stocks basically taken off as a result. Traders assess Beijing's support valves. That's, that's what I'm talking about, as well as the risks from the Russia ties. So the U.S. and other countries have basically said, if China starts to support Russia, we're going to put sanctions on China. That would hurt China. We will see what happens. That, of course, is doesn't look like it's going to be the case. In fact, if you see in that other video, I showed you China and Ukraine's relationship, and it's closer than most people think, okay? So there's more details in here. If you're interested, you can read all the, you know, the ups and downs and all the little details, but just showing you right now what has happened over the over the last while. So Chinese stocks have been just, it just seemed like every week there was a new stock, whether it's Tencent, whether it's Alibaba and all this, that were just, you know, one concern or another. But what's happening globally, like on a global scale, it's not just China that we're seeing some wacky behavior. Take a look. World GDP economic forecast, that's the red line. And the world economy weighted inflation year over year, that's the blue line. The numbers don't matter. The point is the trend, the direction. The economic forecast continues to decline, whether we see that, you know, OECD, you look at the IMF, World Bank, like whoever. They're all saying down, down, down. At the same time, they're seeing inflation rising all over the world today. So we've got this stagflation that is basically happening right now. And the market doesn't work in a way that it's going to price that in. It's not going to say, oh, we're going to have slower growth later. So we're going to, you know, sell off. No, it doesn't work like that. The stock market works largely based on what's happening with central bank activity, even though the central bank activity makes up a small portion of the actual amount invested and traded. Speaking of central banks, the Fed needs to get a lot tougher to stop soaring inflation. A whole bunch of different outlets put out basically the, the same type of information. And here's largely what they were saying. It is as if Powell wants to sound upbeat, but at the same time, tough on inflation without signaling that this will ultimately end with a policy error and a risk of a recession on the back end. Time will tell. How are they going to actually create a soft landing? We know that the Federal Reserve and all other central banks are incapable of creating a soft landing because if they put out the punch bowl, how can they take it away? Aren't you upset at the end of the night when they turn the lights on, the punch bowl's gone, the music has stopped, and you want to party? Not going to happen, right? Everybody's walking out, everybody's leaving, and you're saying, look, if we all just dance right now, the party's not going to stop. But what happens when there's last call? That's it. Party's over. Party's over. We now expect the FOMC, this is Goldman Sachs, to announce the start of a balance sheet runoff in May. They did discuss this, actually, uh, Jerome Powell said, or, or was the FOMC statement. I covered it in that video. Uh, but anyway, they said we, we're 
actively looking into reducing the balance sheet. So, so they had been reducing the purchases. Remember, I, I saw a few comments about this. I want to clarify. When they said reducing or tapering, they are not, they were not reducing the balance sheet. They were reducing the amount of money that they printed per month. So they were printing 120 billion, then 100, I think 105, and then they just went down in increments to the point right now at which they've completed all of the purchases that they're going to do. So now we will see in the coming, uh, I guess in the next couple months, where they will actively engage in allowing their bonds, allowing those, you know, the debt, all the different things that they've been buying, mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, to basically wind down. So if it was like, let's say a one year, well, as that one year comes to the end, they don't buy another one in replace of it. They simply let it mature. That's their goal. I don't know if they're actually going to do it. We'll see. But that's the goal. And they said the pace at which they will do so is going to be quicker than in the previous cycle. There is the suggestion that they will not just let it mature, but they will engage in selling it. So that would be very different. I'm interested to see how they go about it. And what's happening right now? Well, all of their activities have created this mess. Look at this Wall Street Journal article. Homes earned more for owners than their jobs last year. Think about that. What's the incentive for people to work? In this case here, they just buy a house and they just sit in it. I mean, that's crazy. That's the fact. When you print money, when you devalue a currency, things like this happen. What worries me is if people take this, take the equity out and start buying things that are, you know, liabilities. Don't do that. That's my message to you today. If the house value goes up, great. But don't, don't think about it. Don't think about that. Your own personal residence should not be considered an asset the way if you had an investment property and then you do a cash out refinance and then you use that to buy another property, let's say. Okay, you have a reason to do that. But if you're just going full leverage, full tilt on everything, my opinion, my opinion, big mistake. Look, if you appreciate this information, hit that thumbs up button. Okay, that's how you support this channel. That's how we keep this thing going. I wanted to show you something that was really interesting. Back from 1975 up until the present, you could see the S&P 500 and the makeup of it. Real estate, financials, energy, and so on. Look at energy. I mean, it was, if it says here, 20, probably 22% or so back in 1975. Today, 2%. Things have changed. Okay, I got you. I got you. But that that's big. Okay, and, and the way things are going, it could actually look like this will increase. Maybe it's 3%. Maybe it's 5%. Could it be more? Perhaps. And of course, we're going to see things like Infotech that will be making up a larger share as time goes on. Consumer discretionary, 
You've got things like Amazon. You've got things like Apple. Yeah, for sure. There are going to be these big companies that make up a larger share of you know everything because they start to devour all these different companies and they start to have more products and services and so on. But I just wanted to show you that to, you know, it's not the stock market. Like what makes up the stock market? The, the better picture that we have um, in this way, as well as you look geographically and you start to understand what different regions, like if I'm thinking oil, it's not just Saudi Arabia. You know, you got to look, okay, there's Russia, there's United States, there's Canada, you know, iron ore, I'm looking at Australia, copper, I'm looking at Chile. And then you start to think about that and it, things make a lot more sense. It's not, it's not one dimensional. So I hope I, like, I, I try to extend that to you as much as I can with the knowledge that I have. I'm a student of all this, as you know. So I bring that information to you because I don't just want to say, look, guys, S&P 500, it's going up by the dip. Like, it, I mean, if that's valuable to you, I mean, okay, I, like I want to actually like download that to you. Download the knowledge I have. So then you could take that and use it where you think. Anyway, stop renting GPS. Okay, this is... Uh, good news. I was talking about it a couple of videos ago. China's locking down the citizens. Well, in Shenzhen, it looks like they are opening up the factories again, or, or could open up the factories. Of course, that's good news. Let's hope that is because we don't need the supply chains to be bogged down anymore. Hedge funds, people that were buying GME and AMC and all these different companies believed that they would ultimately crush the hedge funds. But uh, the one company that has done probably better than all, all the rest has been the one that basically latched onto the back of those retail traders and did very well. Citadel Securities opens up after record $7 billion windfall. Griffin's trading giant benefited from the market turmoil in 2021. So I just wanted to note the fact that you you just look at what they had been able to do. And there's no doubt about it. They have been doing very well. And Ken Griffin has been buying the most expensive homes in the United States. He bought a record, was a record uh, condo, two, over $200 million for one condo. Okay. Moderna CEO sold more than $400 million in company stock. Of course, stock just went straight up. He sold off his positions. He was able to benefit from that. Now, I don't know what the stock is at right now, but certainly I'm sure he did very well. And he, he, you know, he can do that. That's the way these markets work and so on. I just want to give people the understanding that who stands to gain? Qui bono? Always, always ask that question, okay? That's all for this video. If you found it informative, hit that thumbs up button. It's right down there. Don't go anywhere. Hit that thumbs up. And also, are you subscribed? No? My goodness. You've got to do so. It's also down there. You get videos every single day. I hope you appreciate that. If you do, hit that thumbs up. I'll see you on the next one. Take care.